Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So what I want to share with you tonight is that our reputation in the world of the Spirit precedes us. So the title of my message is, Our Reputation Precedes Us. And um, in order to base uh, the principle that I'm going to be sharing with you tonight, I have chosen 2 Corinthians 5.16, where Paul says that from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's what New King James says. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. The Passion Translation says, From now on we refuse to evaluate people merely by the outward appearances. So what Paul is saying here is that we should no longer know or evaluate anyone, especially born-again believers, after the flesh. But we should recognize them after the Spirit, who they are in the Spirit. The born-again believer has a double identity, simply because he was born twice, once in the flesh from our natural parents, and once in the Spirit by our Father in heaven. Now, our spiritual identity is far more important than our natural one, simply because it comes from above, it comes from our Heavenly Father. So, in the world of the Spirit, we are known and recognized not after the flesh, meaning whether you're black or white, short or tall, or your natural descent, but we are known after the Spirit, and I would like to go a step further and say that we are also known by our spiritual reputation. Well, you heard the phrase, your reputation precedes you. Well, just as in the natural, so it is in the world of the Spirit. Back in the Old Testament, if you are familiar with what I'm going to share, if you're a Bible student, you will know what I'm talking about. We read about the mighty men of David. And these mighty men had a fierce reputation. And the Bible speaks of the battles they fought and the men they killed. And just to give you a, a, a vivid picture, I'm going to read just a couple of verses from 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 through 12. This chapter lists the mighty men of David. They are in the region of about 30 mighty men, and out of the 30, three of them were in higher rank. They had a greater reputation than the other 27. So, the writer here names them, and he says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. The first one was Joshib. Now, I'm not going to pronounce his surname. He, the, the Tecmanite, 
chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. Can you imagine that? One single man killing 800 men one time, not over a period of his career as a soldier, but one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. And this man, he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was the third one. His name was Shammah, the son of Agi the Hararite. And the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about great victory. As you can see, they had fierce reputation when it came to fighting the battles of the Lord. Now, I shared all that with you to establish a principle in our minds. And the principle is this, spiritual recognition or spiritual reputation goes a long way in the world of the Spirit. Now, these mighty men of David were known by the reputation a reputation they had earned by the battles they fought and won. So, in the world of the Spirit, we are also known by our reputation. Your reputation is established by the life you lived, the battles you fought in the Lord, and the scars you carry as a result of the battles you fought for Christ and his gospel. This is so important for us to understand what I want to communicate to you tonight. Your reputation is what gives you the kind of authority, influence, and spiritual weight you carry in the world of the Spirit. It also gives you access into the mysteries of the kingdom of God that others cannot attain. Obviously, because you've reached a level of maturity and you are able to receive and digest the mysteries or the wisdom of God. To the people whom Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, if you recall, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Remember Jesus saying that to those who approached him? and said to him, Lord, we've done these wonderful and great things in your name. And Jesus said, I do not know you because you practice lawlessness. These, these folks were known by the reputation in the world of the Spirit. They were workers of iniquity, and Jesus called them out, even though they pretended to be genuine disciples. Paul was also known by his reputation. And those who troubled him and those who questioned him concerning his 
authority and the legitimacy of his apostolic ministry, listen to what he says to them, how he responds. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, in the Amplified Translation, now Paul responds to these accusers that are accusing him of not being a legitimate apostle, that he was false, and so on and so on. So he says to them, from now on, let no person trouble me by making it necessary for me to vindicate my apostolic authority and the divine truth of my gospel. For I bear on my body the brand or the marks of the Lord Jesus, the wounds, the scars, and other outward evidence of persecutions. These testify. These they speak on my behalf. And what do they say? That I am a genuine one who is sent by the Lord. So Paul's evidence of his genuine apostolic authority were the scars he carried as a result of the battles he fought and the persecutions he endured. Now, also, in Acts chapter 19, verse 15, we read about the seven sons of Sceva who took it upon themselves to cast out a demon. Using the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached, they say, to the demon. And the evil spirit spoke up and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? You see, Jesus had a reputation in the world of demons, in the world of the spirit, and Paul had a fierce reputation. They were terrified of him. But uh, the demon said, who are you? So as you can see, these exorcists had no reputation in the world of the spirit of any significance, and they carried no weight, and the demon recognized them, told them so, and in fact, he attacked them. The Bible says he tore their clothes. One person attacked seven. There were seven of them. Tore their clothes and sent them away in shame. As you can see, our reputation speaks very loud and very clear and makes us known in the unseen world of the Spirit. Every born-again believer carries a measure of influence, and authority in the spiritual realm by the virtue of the relationship with Christ. Now, that measure of influence and authority can be increased as one engages in the fight of faith, wins the battle, and gains ground for the kingdom. The further you go in the kingdom, the greater the anointing and the influence you carry for the purpose of extending the influence of God's kingdom. In other words, you carry weight. Your words are weighty. Uh, when you speak, when you walk into the room, you command a presence because you carry a certain spiritual weight and reputation. The way we carry ourselves in the Spirit, the way we fight the good fight of faith, the way we, we speak or serve one another are as weighty as our reputation is. No more and no less. 
In other words, it's who we are in the spirit that carries real weight and influence, and not who we pretend to be, or who we say we are, or even by the titles we carry next to our name. That don't mean much in the world of the spirit. In my own experience as a believer, I fought many battles for over 45 years, both on a personal level as well as on a ministry level. But as I emerged from those battles, I, engage, uh, I, I emerged with wounds, and in time those wounds were healed because I dealt with them the right way, and they became scars in my inner man. Now, the first battle I fought was back in Zimbabwe, just after I was born again. I recall those days I had to hold on to my faith with everything I had. I was just a spiritual infant. The persecution I endured from my primarily from my in-laws because they were at close proximity to where we were, and, of course, my parents. Uh, it, was, it was a horrific time. Why? Because of my faith in Christ. But the persecution I endured, both from my in-laws and my parents, as a result of my faith in Christ, proved that I was transformed truly by the grace of God. And that was the evidence. I emerged, I recall, from that battle scarred, but victorious in Christ nevertheless. And as a result, I was promoted into the ministry of the evangelist to the Greek nation just a couple of years after that. The second major battle I fought was also in Zimbabwe as well as in the regions of South Africa. And this battle was far more fierce than the previous one. Why? Because I had to deal or uh, I was opposed by the entire hierarchy of the Orthodox Church. The persecution I endured and the subs subsequent, of course, excommunication I received from the hierarchy added some very deep wounds to my spiritual man and to my reputation. And of course, my reputation in Zimbabwe preceded me. I recall during those days, I could not go anywhere with my family where Greeks were gathered. In the natural, I was hated and persecuted. But in the world of the spirit, I gained a reputation. And I was known by the reputation I earned through the fight of faith that I fought. I was known as a man who withstood the hierarchy of the Orthodox Church, did not submit or yield to the threats or to the ordinance of their religion, but remained true to the Word of God and, of course, the calling I received in the Lord Jesus to preach the gospel to my countrymen. And then again, I recall as I emerged from that battle, totally bruised and wounded, but victorious nevertheless, I was promoted by the Lord Jesus into the office of the shepherd or the pastor. And we moved down to the city of Cape Town. You see, every battle you fight and win, you are, 
you are you are entering into a higher level a new season and that's that's how uh, the Lord led me from one battle to the next. Then again, another battle awaited me here in Cape Town. I, I fought a good fight uh, in establishing the church here in Cape Town. Ever since we began, there was so much opposition, both in the natural and in the spirit. The enemy almost silenced my voice and my ministry for good here in the city. I share these things with you from, from my own testimony to point out to you that as a leader, if you want to make an influence and bring change in your sphere of influence, you've got to carry some weight. And that weight comes by engaging the good fight of faith and winning. And then you emerge from that. Yes, scarred. <laughs> and bruised. I, I cannot go into details, all the things that went, went on here in Cape Town, but the devil thought he had won. In fact, I recall Erin was, was, was part of our church at that time, and I'm sure she recalls. On the last Sunday of June 1995, I walked away from the church, closed the doors, and released the people to go. So fierce was the pressure and the opposition that I just I was just looking for a way of escape. But here is where the but comes from. But the Lord raised me up again after I suffered for a while. And thank God for His grace and His mercy which stood by me and with me and brought me through again, victorious but wounded, and bruised. Of course, the wounds healed in time. As I spent considerable time in the presence of the Lord, questions, unanswered questions, uh, waiting on the Lord, and sometimes with many tears, the wounds were healed and they became scars. But those scars, my brother, my sister, added value, added weight, added wisdom, and added to me experience in building the kingdom of God. In fact, I always say that the older I get, the more valuable I become. So do you. So do you. Don't ever forget that. So, when I emerged from that battle, I was promoted again into the ministry I'm involved right now for a number of years. And the fruit that was born, that is born from this ministry, and the sons that were raised in this ministry, were birthed out of those wounds and the pains of death I received along the way. The words of Jesus come to mind right now when he said, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So every battle you engage in and win it for the Lord, you will get promoted into the next phase of your calling and ministry. You enter into a new season in which you face greater adversaries and perhaps tougher battles. We don't. We never take a holiday in the world of the Spirit. Never. There's no such a thing. 
There is no place where you get to erect a tent, so to speak, and just camp there. Peter, James, and John discovered that from Jesus when they were on the mountain of transfiguration. Peter said, Lord, let us camp here on the mountain. And Jesus said to them, let us go down into the valley. What was in the valley? There was a demon that needed to be cast out from a child. Battle was waiting for them. You don't receive wounds and scars on the mountaintops, folks. Those you get in the valley. Where you face the enemy hand-to-hand combat, standing on the word of God, fighting the good fight of faith, never giving him an inch or retreating from the promises that God gave you. That's when you get the scars and the wounds and the bruises. Yes, you will face challenges, whatever your calling in life is, whether you are called in the marketplace or within the house of God, within the church. You will face challenges if you are a genuine disciple. You will face disappointments. You will endure many discouragements often and perhaps sleepless nights. But take heart. Be encouraged because the Lord is with you every step of the way. And he promised that he will bring you through victorious, but also wounded, bruised, and refined. I love this verse of scripture in the book of Psalms. It's been my encouragement many, many times. It's recorded in uh, Psalm 66 verse 12. The Passion says, you've allowed our enemies to prevail against us. We've passed through fire and through flood. Yet in the end, you always bring us out better than we were before, saturated with your goodness. Praise God forevermore. God promised he's faithful who will not suffer us to be tempted above what we are able to endure. But he says with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape that we might be able to bear it. So your wounds in the Lord, which in time become scars, only if you deal with them according to the word of God. You deal with those wounds the right way. You forgive, you release You pray for those who have opposed you, hurt you, either with the words or the deeds or betrayed you. You you get before God and you deal with those wounds. An open wound will fester and will become uh, an entrance point of demons and all sorts of horrible things. So you deal with those wounds and in time... They heal, they become scars. Those scars are your, uh, what do you call those, uh, uh, when a soldier is promoted, he gets uh, stripes. Your rank (laughs) becomes um, far more weighty and your authority is increased. And those scars are like gold in the world of the spirit. They add to your reputation. They carry weight as far as your reputation is concerned, and they speak for you, adding value 
and influence in the kingdom of God. This is the reason why Paul boasted about the hardships he endured and the persecutions rather than his achievements or success because he knew that the hardships he endured and the battles he fought and the wounds he received carried great authority in the spirit. The sufferings Paul endured helped him to rely more and more on the grace of God and less and less on himself. Listen to him speaking when he says in 2 Corinthians 12, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Writing again to the Corinthians, he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Can you imagine the battle that he fought in Asia? In fact, in one place in the scriptures, he says, I fought with the lions, with the wild beasts. He wasn't referring to natural beasts. He was referring to spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places that opposed him. Yes, he said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will deliver us. So the reason I've chosen to share on this topic today, because the Lord showed me this so clearly uh, just a few days ago, and I was so anxious and excited to share this revelation with you, is because I want you to know and understand that if you want to make a difference as a leader in God's kingdom, within the sphere of your calling and influence, you will have to carry some weight, spiritual weight and influence in the spirit, which comes, of course, by fighting the good fight of faith and overcoming. Whether those battles are on a personal level or any other level. And now I'm reminded, the demon I fought, who was endeavoring to destroy my marriage, man, I fought him for a very, very long time. You see, these are real enemies that come against us to destroy us, to destroy our family. And these battles are fought first on a personal level, and then on your callings level, wherever God called you. Now, some battles are more fierce than others that will demand all the faith you have, all the commitment you can master, but the wounds and the scars you receive cannot be compared with the rewards you receive in the kingdom of God. Today, of course, we're not fighting the Philistines in the flesh or physical giants like the old covenant people did. We fight with spiritual giants that are out to oppose the will of God in our lives 
in our families and ultimately destroy us. And these are the giants of unforgiveness. This is a big one. Persecution, the giants of fear, all forms of fear, all forms of unbelief, prejudice, offense, rejection, and the biggest one of all, the giant of pride. Some of you may be fighting an internal battle at home that threatens your marriage or the welfare of your children. It is in such battles that you are called upon to fight, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, until final victory. You and I are called upon to pray regularly, systematically, not just mouthing words, but wrestling in prayer as spiritual warriors do. You are often called upon to fast, and to engage the enemy with all of the weapons we have at our disposal until we dethrone the enemies of God that are arrayed against us and against our families. Remember what Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And Jesus promised that only those who overcome he will grant to sit with him or give them authority and power to even rule nations when he comes to the earth to establish his kingdom. Revelation 3.21 and Revelation 2.26. And Paul writing to Timothy in regard to the spiritual warfare that we are engaged in every single day. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a soldier, good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare will entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You see, a soldier in God's army, which you and I are, we are required to divorce ourselves from the entanglement and the distractions of this present age in order to focus on God's assignment. And I say this, if you're serious if you are a serious disciple, I believe that you will endure the loss of many things in your walk with God, even relationships, in order to climb the mountain God called you to climb and finish your race victorious. Some people will not walk with you, no matter what you say, no matter what you do. Leave them alone. Don't camp with them climb and finish your race. For some of you, the things that I shared tonight might be foreign, unable to identify with. And it's okay. I recall driving in the car with Stephen many years ago. He was still a teenager. We were coming back from our church office when he said to me, Dad, hearing you speak of the battles you fought, I just cannot identify with that. And the reason being, he said, all my life, 
I have been shielded by you and mom. I didn't have to fight for anything I have in my life. And that's true. And that might be true for some of you. But remember this. Not all of us are called to be pioneers and to establish new works in God's kingdom. Not all have that calling. Some are called to be builders. For example, David was a pioneer. He fought and won many battles, shed much blood for future generations. And that's why the Lord said to him, you will not build me a temple. You shed far too much blood. But his son Solomon, he was a man of peace. He was a builder. And he built on what his father won with his sword. So that does not exclude you from fighting your own battles of faith. In order to take what was given to you, build on it, make it better, take it further, make it broader and more fruitful and productive under your care. Remember that. Just because you were handed that inheritance, that does not exclude you from engaging in the battle that God has called you in order to further and extend and multiply what was given to you through the sweat, through the tears, through the sacrifices of those that have gone before you. Are you still out there? Jesus said to the disciples, one man sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you, and now you are privileged to profit from the labors to reap the harvest. Just a few days ago, the Lord brought to mind years back when two Greek men invited me to the city of Cape Town to start a Greek church. Before I moved my family down, there was nothing to move them to. There was no foundation. It was just, just talk. So I did come back and forth, back and forth, and I... I was given a flat in Simonstown by one of the businessmen. And I recall I would stay in that flat for days alone, fasting and praying and calling out to God. There was nothing to start with. I couldn't find anybody that I could pray with. I, I realized later, uh, knowing what I know now, probably I would not accept the invitation because what they wanted to do was to pay someone to do all the work for them, to fast, to pray, to preach, and do everything for them. But as I said, knowing what I know today, I probably would not accept it. But anyway, I accepted. And only after two years, I was able to establish something in the realm of the spirit that served as a form of foundation that I could bring my entire family to settle. So 
I trust that what you've heard has inspired you and taught you something. That this is not a walk in the park, folks. There's going to be sacrifices. There are battles arrayed for you. And you need to engage. Whether those battles are on a personal level, that you're fighting some things in your own life. I recall I fought a mighty battle to be delivered from Nicodem. I was two and a half years in the Lord. And God spoke to me one day and he said, son, unless you give up this terrible habit, I'm not going to take you any further, uh, spiritually or in my kingdom. <laughs> Man, that was hard. I would, I would throw the cigarette in the dustbin and after a, a, a half an hour, I would go pick it up again because I refused to buy any new cigarettes. I fasted. I prayed. And thank God his grace intervened and set me free and broke that habit. Never went back to it again. Some of you are fighting internal battles in your own life. Battles against rejection, against loneliness, against frustration, against depression, against discouragement. You've got to win those battles. God has given us all that we will ever need to be more than conquerors. But you're going to have to engage the enemy and not pretend these things do not exist. Be real. Be transparent. Find a prayer partner. Find someone that can keep you accountable in those areas. But win the battle and go on with Christ. So, Father, I thank you for the words that you've given me to share tonight with your leaders, Lord. And all of us are leaders in one sphere or another. And I pray, Father, that these words will resound in the hearts and in the minds. They would understand, some of them, the privilege that they have been uh, given, the inheritance that they have been given in order to take it further, Father. Help us all to fight the battles that are arrayed against us and win ground for your kingdom, dear Lord. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone that has taken the time to log on. And I bless them today and the families in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.